we're gonna do it the scanner way. I'm gonna suck your brain dry. Everything you are is gonna become me. You're gonna be with me, Cameron, no matter what. After all, brothers should be close, don't you think? So it took a while for um, for you to get the, the new issue out. So the how so when the new issue came out today, didn't it? It did indeed. Yes, um, I got it um, published today, and um, yeah, it's on sale from Amazon, and then it will soon be on sale from Forbidden Planet International, Belfast, and other shops as well. And of course, it features a review by your good self, Kieran, of Halloween Kills. Well, I, I I'm not here to plug myself. That's, no, no, I mean, it's a team effort, so, so it's, you know... So, so embarrassed. Plugging the team, not at all. Not, <laughs> not at all, so it's all good. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to Conversation. This is Kieran, the host of Citizen Frame. Joining me is the usual Trevor. Yes, as always, excellent to be here. There you go. Uh, if you're just jumping in there, yes, as you might have overheard, we, uh, we, um, Trevor's, uh, the editor-in-chief of the magazine Phantasmagoria. It is out today. Uh, it's a massive one. What is it, 400-something pages? Oh, no, no, it's um, like 307 pages. So, yeah, they're always... Well, that's still pretty good. Oh, yeah, still. they're always big, big productions. Like, that's why sometimes there is delays. It's just because these things can't be rushed and they have to be done right, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, as you heard, yeah, check it out. It's uh, available now on Amazon, all formats. Kindle and hard copy? Uh, well, ju- just hard copy and um, at, at the moment, so it is. Oh, um, the, okay. The problem with Kindle is um, Amazon don't always um, format it correctly. Then it looks embarrassing on my end. Um, so until they get their sort of shit together, um, it's just on hard copy at the moment. <laughs> okay. So it is. Hard copy on Amazon, soon on Forbidden Planet stores and other stores coming soon. Yep. Uh, today, uh, we are going to change gears a little bit and stick with horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just for the change. Sci-fi horror. <laughs> you know, as we're doing that, as we're testing some podcasters out, uh, we know how much you, you miss us and all, so we just got to pepper in these little hidden gems. Yeah. Or sometimes gems that we kind of forget about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've always teased... Mr. Uh, Trevor here, uh, in regards to his love of certain artists, Lynch being number one, but Cronenberg would be up there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we haven't talked Cronenberg yet. The funny thing is, I'm not a Cronenberg fan. I like a couple of his stuff, little hits, but I think it's his FX guys that kind of give him a, they, yeah. you know, that. That uh, winning success. Yeah, well, the stuff is will be very much a lot of it will be focused on body horror, especially as as horror stuff. You know, yeah. So I wanted to dive into something with Cronenberg where I was introduced to him. I remember Scanners as the head explosion. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers Scanners as the ass, the head explosion. And this is my first time revisiting it in a long time. I gotta tell you, he's very simple in his storytelling uh, for something that you feel would be so thought-provoking and deep, you know, medical science. and Yeah. You figured it. But no, it's very copy and paste, very quite simplified. Quite simplistic, yeah. And does that hurt the film? Because I'm watching it now, like I always say, through the podcast eyes. Um, I, it's got a lot going for it, but it's got a lot not going for it. And I, we'll see. We'll find out at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Does it work? Yeah. Um, I think as as well. I think these days we're spoiled with with these types of you know science fiction horror films, or e- even sort of science films, science based films in general, be it pseudo science or whatever. I think we're spoiled these days because you know it, it's like the writers and filmmakers these days go out of their way to be over elaborate and and twist. And sometimes simple just works. I mean, I like my complicated, crazy shit as well. But um, yes, this is more of a simplistic look at, at it. You know, and of course, Cronenberg yeah. also directed. You're just talking about, you know, people with um, telekinesis and you know um, psychic ability. He also directed the 1983 version of The Dead Zone, Stephen King's The Dead Zone. That's right. I forgot about that. Holy shit! Yep. I totally forgot about that. that's a Cronenberg film. Yes, that's um, my favorite Cronenberg film with Christopher I, Walken. Yeah, I had The Fly, this, and the I had another another little film he did called Existence Z. Yes, good, yes. In the nineties, that was yeah, I thought that was pretty good. He did one as well. I remember in the early two thousands or so. 
um, called A History of Violence, but it was more of a th- sort of thriller. That was pretty good. That was based on a graphic novel, believe it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I liked yeah, The Naked Lunch was shit. But I like Naked Lunch, but you have to like that sort of crazy yeah. shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, we know you do. I don't even have, you don't have to talk. I know. <laughs> I've ever seen Peter Weller. Where the fuck's Robocop? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we're going all over the place here with Cronenberg. Uh, Dead Zone, great fucking movie. Yeah. But Scanners, what works for Scanners, and we talked about him dumbing down the science of what we're seeing here, is the way to go. Uh, the movie is so fast-paced. It's an hour and 41 minutes or something like that, maybe a little less. And it just starts off right away. We talk about, you know, we're introduced to Cameron Vale, who's played by Stephen Lack. Yes. Or what we could call him is Stephen Lack of acting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah. He, all the actors are fine in this, but he is horrible. He is wooden. Yes. Uh, he, there is uh, a reason why he doesn't act anymore. Right. Yeah, well, I can imagine. He, you know, he, he's done nothing. And he, he's actually. Actually, he's actually a really world renowned, world renowned um, artist. Right, I didn't know that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so. I, I would say is sort of wouldn't act in is especially shows up considering he's up he's up beside Patrick McGoohan and Michael Ironside. Yeah, and this was pretty much Michael Ironside's you know birth into film. He did a couple of stuff, of course, but this was put. This is what put him on the map. Yeah, um, I love Michael Ironside. Period. Mm-hmm. You put him in a film, I'm happy. Um, you got Lawrence Stain, who's a good actor, the great Patrick McGowan. If he's in the Columbo, he did it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we know him from the, I think he's in The Prisoner, which was a popular yeah. Oh, show. yes, that, that's his famous um, series. Um, he was yeah. number six. Yeah, um, he, he, he had a number, had, I'm a human being, you know. He, he, had, a, he, had, he had a great career. Yes. Especially playing villains, and he always had that beard. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I love the without the beard. I love him. Um, you know, the prisoner. It's a classic surrealist sort of British cult sort of science fiction show, fantasy show, and yeah, it's it's quite sort of, you know, if you like your crazy shit, the the prisoner's up there. So it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my father was a fan of it. <clears throat> yeah. The opening starts right away. Where where Andrew Duvall, where is he homeless? He, he's pretty much off the grid, and yeah, he, he's a drifter basically. You know, he he's um I would assume jobless, and it's because he's a, he's a social misfit because he he is a scanner and he doesn't understand why he's a scanner and you know all that there and he can't fit yeah. into society. But I don't understand Patrick McGowan who plays Doctor uh, he's Doctor Ruth, which that throws me off because of the yes the, uh, the female the, got, connotation the female yeah, but we'll just call him Doctor yeah so the good Doctor he. Has sent these goons to get him. Yes, right, and that's the scene where he, the two you see the two bitches being snobs. Yeah, no yeah. offense. It, it's a, he, they kind of she kind of deserved it, but you, <laughs> you know. But they yeah, were very snooty. He, he causes her to have that seizure. Mm-hmm. He pulls it back like he can't control it, right? Yeah. Well, he, he can't. can't control. He doesn't have control over his power yet at this point. He he, he has to a certain extent, but he hasn't quite tamed it. And he doesn't under, he doesn't understand it if that makes sense. Because yeah, because he didn't want to hurt her. Yes. Okay. He's a very powerful scanner, but he hasn't quite tamed it yet. Okay. Or even he doesn't even have a full grasp of what it is. He just knows that he's different. All right. Okay. But he knows he did that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you get this chase scene where they're after him. It's actually pretty good, and I like the chase scene because. It's not this over the top action film where they're jumping all over wires. And yeah, hang there. He, he, he takes he, a shot. He gets shot uh, with a little dose there of um, um, was it emerald? Was it emerald? Yeah, for all or something. Emperor yeah, all or something like that. They gives him, and so he has. He's it's a tranquilizer. I think I don't think it's emerald this time. It's yes, it's not. Sorry, you're right. It's a tranquilizer dart. And he's being chased. He's going up these escalators, and this nice little stunt where he tries to jump to one escalator or the other to yeah. escape these guys. And you know, but the, but the actor's got to play, you know, tired and weak because the tranquilizer's kicking in. So he jumps in and he barely hangs over the, es- the escalator. It was a nice little stunt, actually. Yeah. But what I liked about it, it wasn't a glorified action scene. It no, was just, it was more realistic. The, the film, yeah. the film as a whole, has that sort of gritty nineteen seventies realist feel to it. It's a nice little setup, and it's to the point. By the I'm, way, can I just add that? Originally, Cronenberg had the head exploding scene as the first scene, 
but he changed it because um, he, he, in case there was people who were late to the cinema and he didn't want them to miss it. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, yeah. We, uh, well, we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is where Dr. Paul has obviously kidnapped him and he tells him that he is a scanner. Now, I don't get this scene. He's tied up in a bed yeah. and all these people come look at him. Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck's the point of the scene? They're, they're like the um. What I took from it was they're like the scientific community and you know who work for that company as well, and they're they're basically examining him because they know uh, according to Doctor Ruth he he is basically he has obviously told them he is a really powerful scanner. Check this guy out. So they're basically just observing him from a safe. But, but they know he's sort of dangerous. So that's why they're behind the glass. But why are they observing? What's he doing? He's not doing anything. He's just looking around. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a bit contrived, but no, yeah, it's pretty it, stupid. There's yeah, no point in this scene. I think so it's I'm really right. just to set up, just uh, <laughs> um, to set up the characters of, of the Doctor. And it, didn't have to do that. It's basically it's basically an, an exposition dump. It's not even. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but we're going to get to well, my favorite scene is actually the ending. But we'll get to this scene, which you know we always talk about CGI. And again, I yeah. don't mind CGI, in the Marvel films and Star Wars films, but I do mind it when it comes to practical gore effects. I agree. That's yeah. I, I for me, it's um, I don't mind it in sort of you know science fiction, like you say, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. Um, some set in the far future, but with horror and gore. I want practical effects every time. I mean, I'll tell you right now, the effect uh, we're about to talk about, nothing can come to that. You have this this day and age, You ha- it was Dick Smith, a uh, fucking genius who did these mm-hmm. effects. And then we had, in this time, this time era, we had uh, the Howling, American Will for London, Scanners were even put up there. Yes. And the fucking brilliant thing. Yes, absolutely. And, it was know, a real golden, golden era for, yeah. um, the, you know, those um, brilliant, brilliant makeup artists. Even, I mean, you know, even in, you know, um, Romero's zombies films and stuff, you know what I mean? There was all these, you know, practical effects and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just a great era for those yeah. type of practical effects. Just so beautifully done. It's a great scene because you got this, this scanner who's in this room of uh, scientists, like a college dorm, like a college room. Yeah. And not a dorm room. <laughs> a lecture hall. Mm-hmm. He's looking for a volunteer who wants to come down. I'll, I won't hurt you. Just come on down. And yeah. Michael Ironside plays. Oh, I guess I'll come down. He plays Ravik, who's clearly he's, he's just looking at the fucker. You know he's a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a fucking he got, hole in his head. Uh, I know. Trying to drill a hole in his own head. <laughs> he, he comes down and he goes, "Do I just shit?" He plays the inner schedule. Do I just shit here? Do, no, don't do anything. You're fine. I'll take care of it. And needless to say, he's playing with the guy. With, yes. And he causes his head to explode. <laughs> it is so fucking beautifully shot. It's done with like uh, pig kidneys yep. and dog all, food. A, apparently, it was like the cast and crew's parts of their lunch and all were on it. Like there was yeah, apple, apple cores and, and everything. And a, and a shotgun. That's, yes. It's so beautifully edited. So kudos to the editor. Yeah. You can't tell it's a fake because the way they blended the shot was it was such a quick cut. You never yes. really get the glimpse of the face before it explodes. It must have blown audiences away at the time. Oh, it's, 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 it blows me away still. It's still. It blows still that fucking hot. guy's head even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how oh, the fuck do they... I mean, wow. It's an incredible shot, guys. If you haven't seen it, please. Even if you just want to watch it's that a scene, classic. go for it. No, it's so good. <laughs> I love good gore. Uh, but he gets he gets taken into custody and for doing this. And so they know he's a scanner, technically. Yeah, and they you think he gets juiced with the call this drug called um, ephemeral. What this does it uh, causes them pretty much to pretty much get dazed and confused and passed out, or to the point where they can't take over with your mind. Yeah, um, it's pretty much a, 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 a well, it's your version of a tranquilizer, I guess. Uh-huh. But what you don't see is he controls the doctor. As he's about to give him the shot, but the doctor gives himself the shot. That's right. So they all think he got the shot, but he didn't. Now, the ephemeral does not affect humans. Well, regular people. So the doctor would have died. So these guys are taking him in the car. <laughs> they think he's all drugged, so he can't hurt anybody. Needless to say, he kills everybody in the car <laughs> by taking, you know, 
like making them shoot themselves or making the other bad guy shoot the other bad guy. Then the car uh, blows up. The car blows up. I love how they run out. Oh, we got to save them. I don't think they're alive. They're mm-hmm. pretty much dead. But it's a fun little setup. It, you know, you talk about your fucking show every 10 minutes, The X-Files. It had a very X-Files feel. Yeah. Um, this film. And there's a cool little shot where the men, the, the main trigger man, who's still alive, is still under Ravik's spell. That's Michael mm-hmm. Ironside. And he puts the gun to his head. And then you you see in the from behind the hitman guy, Ravik shows up. He's a blur. And then the... And the and then the uh, the hitman becomes the blur and Ravik's in full focus, and all Ravik does is tw- tweak his, he just twitches his neck a bit, <laughs> and then you hear the gun go off. Uh, it sets him up as a brilliant villain, and you know, yeah. and one thing you know, Michael Ironside does great is the sneering villain or henchman. You know, he's just he has that presence and that sort of angry face you know what i mean that sort of do not fuck with me face you know yeah. oh he, he plays it so well you know you know that big scar he has on his right his, uh, his left cheek above his left cheek yeah mm-hmm. you know how he got that no he got really plastered um late 70s and he fell through a uh, glass door shit okay yeah. yeah so that's how he got the famous scar I was always wondering how he got that scar yeah um but uh so yeah so we find out consec are the bad guys. The evil pharmaceutical company. Yeah, so uh, here's what... Okay, let's, see, let's get the story going here. You got Consec, and then you got the other company. Consec is... But they're military. They, yeah. Aren't they, aren't they looking to make military weapons, and they want these scanners, technically... What Dr. Ruth wants, Dr. Doctor wants, <laughs> is to make scanners weapons. Yeah, it's basically. Um, I think. I think it's a commentary, basically, on you know big pharma, um, how you know because and they, they could basically sell off these scanners to the military. Okay, so Doctor Ruth, but Keller doesn't. Yeah, there's a conflict. But Keller's, there. The, but Keller's the bad guy. Well, oh, no, plot, no, plot he, he, guy. It's a plot twist, guys. He, Keller, he he has a different he has a different plan. So, so he, he the reason he doesn't want Dr. Ruth, I can't keep still laughing at Dr. Ruth to use these guys as weapons is because Keller wants to use a different plan. And that's the that's the he wants to take the drug and we'll get to what he wants to do with that. Yes. With 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 uh Ravik. He has his own ideas. So he doesn't want the okay, he doesn't want the drug out there military wise. He wants the drug for himself. Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah, there's the security guy who wants to basically um, sell it off to the military. There's Dr. Ruth, who has more sort of noble ideas, although he's not completely innocent. Um, and then there is Ravik, who um, has his own ideas too. Who wants Wait, to- no, 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 I'm confused. Dr. Ruth, he wants them for weapons to, to sell to the military. Reluctantly, yes, reluctantly, sort okay. of. Well, well maybe maybe not reluctantly. Yeah, he's not as, he's not as um, good a guy as he's first set up to be. Okay, then... He also created the drug, of course. Yes, I know that, yes. And then Ke- Keller, his assistant buddy guy, yeah. well, his boss, technically, says we're not doing that. And the reason he doesn't want to militarize the scanner, you think, oh, he's a nice guy if you don't want to do that. But no, his ulterior motive is that he's working behind with the bad guy, with the Ravik, yes. to do, to, as a mass producer for another reason. Yes. Is that yeah. correct? Yes, uh, okay. on the face of things, that security guy is um, doing it for the company. But he's he a security act- guy. You mean Keller? Keller, yes. Oh, yes. that was I was getting confused. Yeah, who's yeah. the security guy? He, he's like, yeah, Keller's like the head of security of the, you know the pharmaceutical company. But yeah, on the face of things, on the surface of things, he is working for the company to make um, the scanners and the military weapons. But he um, secretly, he is actually in league with Michael Ironside. Yeah, okay. he's working for Michael Ironside. Ravik. Okay. So then, yeah, I love how they try to hide that, the whole film. Like, Keller's talking to somebody, and you see somebody inside, but you don't see his face. Mm -hmm. Well, give me a fucking break. That's pretty (laughs) fucking obvious. Like, yeah. yeah. There's only three people in this film. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's really process of elimination here. (laughs) So, Ruth... (coughs) Ruth gets... Um, Vale. He needs Vale because he's like top scanner guy. Yes. 
to go hunt for Ravik. Mm-hmm. Because he needs to stop Ravik. Because Ravik has his hidden little bad guy den. Yes, Ravik right? w- wants to lead a revolution of the scanners over the us regular folk. Okay. Okay. So, yes, but this is where I'm confused. Because here's the problem with the film. It's... It's fast-paced, don't get me wrong, and it's an hour and 41 minutes. But the editing's very choppy. Like, they get to point A to point B with no explanation, and then you're like, "What? where are we now? It's funny you should mention that, because um, I was reading up on it. You know, obviously, obviously, I've I've watched it. I've seen it quite a few times over the years. But I was, um, is it Roger Ebert, his review of it, actually um, discusses some similar to what you're talking about. His review, which was a negative review, he said that it's um, there's no real drama in it. There's just scenes of people doing stuff to, you know, and then this happens, and then this happens type thing. Yeah, yeah, there's no character development at yes, all. Yes, it's just like, you know, um, A to B to C type thing. Yeah, and oh, well, I didn't even read that. That's, look at that. See, yep. look at me. I'm up there with Roger Ebert. <laughs> uh, okay, well, okay, we're on the same page then. But uh, there's a scene where... <laughs> I get that, but I still like it. Yeah, it doesn't destroy the film by any no. means, but it was hurting that. And we'll get to the ending when we talk about it. it that's where it kind of hurts. There's a, yeah, because there's a lack of emotion. Because of this sort of A to B to C, there's a lack of emotional journey for the audience. Yep. Which we could have held that at the end of the... Coupled with... <laughs> sorry, yeah. Coupled, <laughs> coupled with the wooden acting. Apollo all this. <laughs> by the, yeah. Coupled know, with the wooden acting by the sort of... Cameron? Yeah, I mean, Stephen well, Lack? Okay, so once he does his... Once Ruth does his Yoda and veils the loot thing and he teaches <laughs> him the control of the scans and stuff, um, he, he he's going to the art gallery and he's posing by art and he's got to look for this guy called Benjamin Pierce. Benjamin Pierce is kind of like an artist who hides his scan by his art. You know, that's how he... Yes. He, 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 After he murdering his family it. as a ten-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, he slaughters his family, and he's he's in hiding, so nobody will tell where he is. Only his agent or somebody knows, and mm-hmm. he gets that from him. Obviously, using the scan. Mm-hmm. Now, what Cronenberg does this a couple times in the film, and I don't understand why he does it. So, when Bale goes to the art gallery to find out where Benjamin Pierce is from, his agent won't tell him, but obviously, he uses the scan to get the info. Right? No big deal. He goes, <laughs> and then there's a shot where you, you see um, uh, Jennifer O'Neill. Um, she, she plays Kim. Uh, you'll be introduced to her later, but she's she got she just sitting there and stares at him uh, at, at Vale because she knows yeah. that he's got the stuff because she has the stuff, so uh-huh. she can. But after that scene is done, you see Vale. Through his eyes, maybe, and everything's so slow mo, and it's only like three seconds. But he does this a few times in the film. It doesn't make any sense why he does this. Cronenberg does have a tendency to throw in a shot in a couple in a lot of his films. He does this, and it means nothing. Well, I think that was more the point of view um, shot to see. How I he... thought that. I thought that you kind of seeing it. Everything in slow mo. That's what yeah. he's seeing because he's. He's winded, but he does it again in the bus scene mm-hmm. with the uh, hitman coming. It's just a pointless shot. He does it a few times. I thought that was the reason why he's doing it, but I don't know. I, I just don't know if it's. He's got yeah, some, I, I, I might take an opposite. Like that was the point of view of the scanners, you know, type thing. That's what I was taken from it. But the other guy wasn't doing the Wii U. Well, maybe he was. Again. Yeah, I guess you just got to go with it. Uh, but yeah, so he ends up and he goes to Benjamin Pierce's house, which he, uh, which is cool because Benjamin Pierce is an artist. He's a really cool fucking artist. Yeah. If I want to get into art, I'd buy this guy's stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's got this farmhouse and it's like a loft. It's really cool. He's got a big head that has a, a living room in it. <laughs> yeah, it's class. It's, it's, it's class awesome. artwork. It's very macabre. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and he comes. And this scene is very strange. I mean, what a waste of a good action scene this could have been. Four gunmen come with shotguns. They kill Brensmere Pierce before he get the information to Vale. 
But Vale gets to Pierce, and as he's dying, tells him the info. He kind of sucks his brain, whatever he does. Mm-hmm. And he gets the info that he needs to get to point C, which will which we'll see Kim and the gang. Yes. But that whole action scene, what a waste. I mean... It, yeah, I mean, it, it, was sort of, it was sort of obvious that um, Cronenberg's main skills weren't in sort of um, directing action sequences. Well, the funny but thing but is, I, I didn't mind it. You know what I mean? It didn't, oh, it I sort did. Of, I mean, I, I again, it goes back to what you were saying about the start, where it's not over the top and it's not, you know, um, you know, overly dramatic action scenes, um, almost unrealistic. There was a sort of almost, um, it was, it felt almost realistic. I just felt, I felt. Uh, keep in mind when people say directors, directors, most directors don't do action scenes. I know. Those are by the stuntmen. Yeah. Who direct the action scenes. They bring people and, in to choreograph them? Yeah, and I just felt it was sloppy. And the reason I say that is because I think the film, I get confused in how fast they can scan somebody. Well, but, different scanners have different, I would assume, different scanners have, you know, different levels to their skill of scanning. Well, there's a scene where they'll come up in the hallway when they're in the uh, main, main laboratory place, right? Yes. And he's with Jill. Oh, Kim. Kim, sorry. And gunmen come around, and boo, they freeze. Uh-huh. They stop just like that. Yeah. Doesn't he say something like, doesn't the gunman say, the security guard say something like, I want my mommy or something? Yeah. <laughs> I I just, I, I don't know. Like, okay, so my point is, they come in, He uh, Benjamin gets shot in the leg at first, which he shouldn't have because the, the shot came from a different direction. It's just bad choreographed. But anyways, I won't get Continuity or... Type yeah, thing. we won't get into that, but why couldn't he jump out and stop everyone from killing them? He just pretty much sat in the head. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's more for dramatic purposes to forward the plot. That's bad, honest. though. That's really bad. Because how do you yeah. not? How does he not step out and go to stop these three gun, four gunmen slaughtering this guy who he needs information from? I'm sure there's some sort of you know sort of random explanation for it, but yeah, technically he should have. It's a bad. It's a. It's a bad. It, it's a scene that could have really worked, but, but at but at the end, when he ends up taking them out eventually, uh, poorly by the way, just view view throwing them around. It's really <laughs> stupid, and he goes up to Benjamin and he grabs his hand and he, obviously gives him the info through his brain. Now there's a scene coming up, and this is it's another fucking wasted scene. Now, I'm getting mad at the film. <laughs> he so when Benjamin Pierce is dying. I even have it on my notes. It would have been a really cool scene if Vale flies back and starts crying or something because he just witnessed a man's death. And he took that in because when he has, he was dying, he was reading his mind. So that would have been a great setup. A great subplot where, a great you square, know, yeah. this is a experience death. Experience, experience death. But they don't do it. Mm-hmm. But they do do it with Kim mm-hmm. for like a one line. It's it's just it's very sloppy, and it would have been a really great little plot. I mean, that, that could have been in the original script or whatever, and it was just cut for pacing reasons. I don't know, and but they yeah, they, it's uh, very disappointed. Uh, but anyways, he goes to the house where you meet Kim, and they've got these little it's a little commune, little hippie commune almost. Yes, of these uh, of these scanners. And great scene. There's a great shot. And this is what does work for Cronenberg. His edits can be sloppy. We just went over a couple of them. But a lot of his edits are simplified where we don't have to go through all this fucking backside stories or whatever. He just gets to the point. And there's a scene where the gunmen are going to go in to take out all these scanners as they're singing Kumbaya and shit, whatever, <laughs> reading, their, reading their brains and shit. They're happy, they're happy good scanners. Yes. <laughs> So but there's a shot of Michael Ironside and the two henchmen. And the two henchmen, you see Michael Ironside's face and it kind of bleeds into these two henchmen. Right yeah. there, within five to ten seconds, we know that he's controlled these two guys. Yeah, it's an, it's an excellent sort of shot and setup. There you go. We don't have to see. We, there's no ten minutes. It's just go. Yeah. The audience gets what he just did. So they go in, and there's a pretty brutal scene when they kick up the door and they blow away that woman with the shotgun. It's very violent, yeah. It's very violent. They kill a bunch of these hippies. Uh, obviously, 
uh, Vale and Kim get away. And I feel Kim real. Get, these scenes feel feel realistic. You know, uh, and they the, do the, the violence and stuff. That's what ruins it when he didn't do the. Uh, just, mm-hmm. I think it's ruined by. Okay, so they get on this bus to escape, and Kim is barely crying and goes, "I saw what it felt like for a man to die." Okay, perfect. <laughs> you gave her the line, but it should have been developed and shown originally. I was the artist guy when, when Pierce died. Mm-hmm. Do you get, do you make sense? What I'm no, saying? no, the, 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 yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it actually um, would have meant that um, the guy, you know, the, the main guy, um, what do you call him again? Um, what do you call it? Um, Cameron, Cameron Veal. It yeah. would have meant that he would have um, been a more haunted character. That's my point. Probably it would have been. It, it would have been a much better character development for him. Yeah, you know, the horrors I've seen type thing. You know. Uh, we talk about the action scene, and this was nice. I do like the bus getting gunned down, and the rest of the mm-hmm. survivors of the uh, attack get gunned yeah, down in the bus. Yeah, a record shop and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, was an, it was a cool stunt. And they and they crashes into the record shop. I'll try to look at all the records to see if I recognize any of them. And they survived that. But this is where one of the gunmen gets taken over, you know, with you, you, you. Yep. And he finds out where this where the headquarters is. Of the uh, ephemeral plant, yes. Um, and now it's time to take back what they deserve. <laughs> I don't even know what the, the story is here. Yeah, no, they're they're looking to get to the truth of, the, of you know when they're looking to find it exactly, you know who's behind all this and why it's happened and why they are scanners. Yeah, there's a cool line that Kim says when they're kind of taking a breather after the bus crashes, and they're talking about Ravik. Mm-hmm. And she makes the line. Uh, he says something about oh, we're all scanners, and she says, "Well, we're the dream. He's the nightmare." <laughs> it's a good line, actually. Yeah. Um, meaning that line right there kind of sums it up. Where this could be used for good. This could be something that we could really develop. And and like you saw that scene where they were using it, and they're sitting, like, they're in like little hippie commune, but they're at peace with themselves, and they're reading <laughs> each other's thoughts. No, that's that's no, that's no, what uh, no, no. I, I totally agree. And then yeah, you've got the one who's blowing would, people's heads up, and <laughs> it, it's like and, the whole sort of it's basically basically the sort of X Men type thing set up, um, or even you know the Spider Man thing with great power comes great responsibility. You know, yeah. So they get they break. He easily breaks in. There's another, and then he goes, "Okay, I know where the where the plant is. This is like Halloween three. Yeah, they so, just get, they just arrive there, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah he shows up. In. He shows up. He's in the he's he's in the computer room. We're like, where the fuck did you get the computer room? And then it, it, he's in a hazmat suit. Could be explained that he that he sort of controlled people to get in. Yeah, um, I know. But there's yeah, scenes, it is a bit fucking there's, easy. Like there's certain scenes you do need to show us. I mean, this is a heavily secured place. Well, all these well, um, guys run about with guns and stuff. But yes, it would have been nice to have seen him. Maybe do um, the Jedi Force trick on one of the guards or something. You well, know, the pro- to get yeah, into it. The problem is, if if you see from another scene where he they control the guards, they're all loopy in their days. People <laughs> will, will catch on. What the hell's that happening with our staff? They're all loopy <laughs> and dazed. But yeah, very. And he finds out it's this thing called uh, was it ripe or. Triper. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, he finds out that they're harvesting this, their own, this drug behind Dr. Root's back. He doesn't know that there's another plant that mm-hmm. is going to use this for bad. Yes. And where he wanted to use it more for, you know, good or at least controlled. Yeah, he was sort of a flawed sort of genius where he, he wanted to sort of evo- help evolve the human race. But... Um, he, he, he went way above his head and sort of it, it went out of control. Don't you think this film, especially with um, Keller and Dr. Ruth and especially Ravik, plays like Bond movie, like Bond villains? Yes, absolutely. And even the um, even the setting and and the sort of laboratory, the the nineteen yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. that plays like a sort of evil Bond villains sort of um, you know base. Nothing wrong you know, with it. With all the with all the guards and stuff, you know, like you would say and seeing, you know, things like Never Say Never Again or, or Moonraker or something, you know. Yeah, I I probably back to like Moonraker and Spy Who Loved Me kind of stuff. Yeah, that's sort of the seventies, early eighties type of Bond um, film. So, let me get this. So they they get kidnapped again. Uh huh. This time they're separated. 
And Ruth doesn't know Keller's the mole. The entire yes. audience knows he's the mole, but not Ruth. <laughs> so Ruth's yeah, for talking. all his sort of um, scientific genius, he can't fucking spot the obvious. Yeah. So Ruth is talking to Vale in the one room, and you got Keller. He was about to kill, obviously, Kim in the other room. Yes. And this is the bomb part where he tells his evil plan. <laughs> um, I know. And, uh, exactly. And Ruth yeah. kind of lets his, his buddy go. And Kim uh, ends up, you know, wee, 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 superpowers yeah. to stop. Uh, I don't know why she didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. But she didn't kill Keller. Probably because she's more of a pacifist. Yeah, she's, she's like a heavy yeah. type. I, yeah. I suppose that makes sense. Uh, so she runs out. And then Ruth goes into the room where Keller was knocked out, and then Keller blows his head off. Mm-hmm. He so Keller kills Ruth. Yes. Here's what I don't get. When Ruth gets it, Vale feels it. Why? Because he's his father. He's his son. So that's the reason I was wondering because they don't I bring think. that up till the end of the film. But yeah, okay, that makes sense then. He uh, felt a disturbance in the force. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that, like, that's why whenever, I got the whole Yoda loop thing. Yeah, well, well, it's like whenever, um, you know, in the original Star Wars, whenever Alderaan gets blown up, um, and obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi hasn't seen it, but he, 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 like, he feels it. There's been a great disturbance in the Force, you know? <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only it's a much so, better voice than my impression of him, obviously. <laughs> so you know? they escape the factory within uh-huh. seconds, yeah. get to a phone booth, and they decide he's gonna hack with his with his scanner thing. He's gonna use dial up. <laughs> that, that I must admit that did that, that, that while this film, although it's like science fiction horror, but that that is that did stretch things for me a bit. Whenever but we he have to, a phone and a fucking computer. We have to look at the fact though, and we do. We're laughing at that now because of the technology we use. Yes, of course. But back then they're probably like, wow. Yeah. So I can't make fun of it, but I have to. Yeah. But well, I mean, I mean <laughs> it is a bit ropey, and uh, I love those techie guys that are that are sitting there. And Did you see the Keller fucking... threatens them and stuff? You know, Did just you to... see the... that's what I was thinking. Bond. You know. Yes. Did you see yeah. the one computer guy who did it? Because he decides, oh my god, who's in there? Somebody's hacking us, and all of this is like, <laughs> like two digits coming on the and computer the big screen. Clunk, the big clunky computers and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's Keats, and, and you know, I love all that. There, it's you yeah, know. Oh, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's good uh, he, fun. But essentially, yeah. that that was the, basically that was a very early internet hack. What he what he um, did? Yeah, he used dial up on his but his yeah. head. Yeah, um, and but it's funny because did you see the guy? So he, he's like, oh my god, how do we stop this? Well, we can <laughs> we can override it. We can self destruct. He goes, yes. do it. Are you sure? <laughs> Puts the gun to his head. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll so, do it. <laughs> and then there's actually. He goes, there's a final, there's a final, there's actually a self-destruct button. And he's like, <laughs> you want me to hit this? Do a it. big red button. Yeah, yeah big I, red, I, and he hits it. Did he see that guy's mole on his face? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was fucking huge. <laughs> it was almost like the big red button itself. <laughs> oh my God, I was so hypnotized by that guy's mole. Anybody watching the film, look at the guy with the mole, you can't Again, miss it. Again, right, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hark back here to classic oh. Doctor Who. Oh you would God. Have, you, will go, you would have got these sorts of scenes in the John Pertwee era in the 70s where it would have been sent, set at a sort of, um, you know, some sort of scientific base and you would have had some sort of evil genius and there'd be big clunky computers it happened regularly, especially in the John Pertwee 1970s era. And you know what? Happy days, because well, I love you all had, that. You have these computers in the great movies. Even in the 80s, War Games had them. You know, and that's a great film. And so did yeah. No Way Out and all, all these sci-fi. This was cutting-edge technology at the time. The Black Hole and all these films yeah. all had these big clunky. Any, you know, we just talked about Bond. Well, I love all that. It reminds I, me of school. Our school I, had one computer. Our primary school, and it, it was it was massive. It was one of those big BBC micro computers, you know. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it just it brings back good memories of watching films from that era, and also TV shows like Doctor Who, and you know, yeah, <laughs> it's a, so, a solid thumbs up from me. And yes, people people these days laugh and stuff, you know, all out there. I don't know, we sort of are as well, but we're not laugh. We're laughing affectionately. You know what I mean? It's like we're laugh- we have a big smile on our face. We're not sort of being sort of. No, looking down on being oh, snooty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. We're laughing with it, not at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> I love how 
he goes, oh my god. And the guy, the guy has the shades on. The computer guy with the shades. How the fuck? Why does he have shades on? And doors? Is he yeah. Bono? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He goes, uh, don't worry, man. We're all good. And all the computers <laughs> explode, and they all get thrown through glasses, and Keller's killed. What a what a boring. He gets blown through the doors. Yeah, he he should have had a better death because yeah, uh, yeah as Vale is using dial up, the whole place explodes. <laughs> the phones explode. Did you see the stunt? Oh my god! So they had to run away from the phone booth, right? And because then the phone booth. Blows up. Yeah, but do you see them? They're completely stunt doubles. I mean, oh yeah, Awkward I mean, well, wasn't yeah. even close. It was like, <laughs> I was bad. I Again, was, I stuff was, like that. I love stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just, I know, uh, but with Cronenberg, there's something about him you wouldn't expect. You I mean, have to, yeah. Well, you would, one of his you, earlier films. The one thing about Cronenberg, you would probably think it would have a little more continuity. It would be a mm-hmm. little more cleaner with that. Apparently, I there away. was problems with this um, behind the scenes. Well, this film, including, um, it was rushed. The film was rushed by, I believe, the studio. And the, the, they started filming without a finished script. Also, the um, Jennifer O'Neill and Patrick McGowan um, did not get on well at all. And there was a lot of friction behind the scenes, apparently. Well, they're barely in the movie together, yeah. so it worked out. Maybe that's why. Yeah. That's, that's why they kept them in separate rooms from Keller. <laughs> <laughs> But we find out the big twist. The big twist is he goes to, when he broke into this mainframe, he found out all these doctors who've been shipped um, ephemeral. Yes. He goes to this one doctor, and as as he's talking to the doctor, where'd you get this ephemeral drug? Kim gets a, found out she's just been scanned. And he goes, oh my God, you've just been scanned by that woman over there? Not the woman, the the baby baby. in her belly. (laughs) Yes. And you find out that he... they're breeding them. Yes, they're, they're they're giving these mothers these this this drug to pretty much experimental uh, drug. Yeah, new army. <laughs> it's it's very much um, this you know um, side of the plot and this twist. It's very much Cronenberg's commentary on the flaminamide scandal, which was a real life thing back in the nineteen fifties and sixties, where pregnant women were given this experimental drug, flaminamide. Um, um, you know, and, and obviously took it in with you know trusted the doctors or whatever. But the side effect was that the children were born with horrific deformities, um, and you know like shrunken limbs and limbs that weren't fully formed and stuff. And that was big news up until um, you know about twenty years ago or so. Um, you would have seen uh, even here in Northern Ireland. You know, it, it was. Um, I remember there used to be a woman um, on the news regularly. You know, um, she was basically she, she was campaigning for you know. Um, survivors of flaminamide but Cronenberg does this because you know it's like his commentary on these sort of medical science scandals you know or even you know what's got these medical type things you know even with his version of the fly he also you know that's that's very much apparently a commentary on the AIDS epidemic at the time yeah yeah well that's you know I can see Cronenberg doing that kind of stuff um, yeah he's a clever guy yeah he'll pepper stuff in like that well a lot of artists a lot of a lot of directors probably do that yeah but you uh, um, at the end the big climax where Ravik and Kim's sleeping and yeah. <laughs> Ravik and we find out that Ravik is Vale's brother and Ruth and Dr. Is, Ruth is, Dr. Ruth is the father <laughs> and they got the experimental shots, obviously. And he's like, "Go fuck yourself! I'm a, you're not my brother." And this scene <laughs> is fucking talk about effects again. It's brilliant. just brilliant. Yeah, um, the veins come. Can I, can out I say of as face. well, just before we go on to this, uh, that the whole "I'm your brother" is very sort of melodramatic and soap opera and cheesy as well. But it works. It works in this film. The context of this film, and yeah. it's very James Bond too. You know where you know um, you know. Well, it was later confirmed in you know Spectre that um, Bond and Bluefield, the evil mastermind Bluefield, are brothers and stuff. You know, well, they're not brothers. Um, they're yeah, adopted. They're, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, they're like sort of adopted brothers. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so that was very James Bond and that sort of. Yeah, no, it is. But um, it it's a great uh, when he goes, "I'm going to suck your brain dry." You know, it's just fucking. Nobody line. does sneering villain better than Michael Ironside. Yeah, uh, he's good, and he just. Uh, and the veins coming up, and you don't know who's winning. His veins are coming up. And it's the, the gore is brilliant, and obviously we think Ravik wins. Um, and at the end, when Kim comes in, oh my God, where are you, Vale? <laughs> he's I'm over here, but he's in Ravik's yeah. body. Yes, it's so brilliant. He's taking over his complete 
yeah. I love uh, the shot as well, where they're they're having this scan off for want of a better phrase, and um, Michael Ironside's um, eyes like go into themselves, and they're just pure white. Yeah. It's, yeah, those are pre- it's pretty cool. There's a scene where he's doing that. That whole scene where Michael Ironside, because he's giving it, he's such a better actor than this fucking idiot. Oh, Stephen, time. The way he was selling it, Lack was slack. He was just, Lack was just sitting there. Lack was, was slack. He, yeah, it was, yeah <laughs> he was horrible. But but he just sells the scene. The um, thing the, the thing with Lack in my head, you know, really watching it a couple of times recently. In my head, I've tried to justify it as that his sort of wooden acting, now this is just me in my head, that his wooden acting can be explained away by the fact that he is this disturbed scanner and that's why he is so odd and distant and sort of, but in reality, he's just wooden acting. No, know? I'll give you an example. You can use that, you're right, for a certain for certain points of the film, but when yes. you're scanning someone and you're being, your brain's being ripped apart. He's just sitting there you, looking He's bored. just sitting there going, oh, do I <laughs> shake now? So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah type but, thing. And here you got fucking Michael Ironside just giving it all. And there's that whole scene right there, if you look at it again, yes. he's fucking, it's amazing how much he looks like Jack Nicholas from The Shining. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ravik does die, but not spiritually wise. The body still lives on as Vale takes over. Uh, and there, and there we go at the ending. It's an Spiders. excellent twist. You know, yeah. uh, final twist. Film, the film, listen guys, the film has its flaws. Um, let's get, I'll say right now that the visual effects are fucking brilliant. And yes. they can, and even to the, by today's standards, they, no, none of these assholes who are making films now could touch these effects. Um, They're too lazy too anyway, because yeah, with effects like that, and, uh, and the aforementioned, you know, American World Wolf in London, the hurling and stuff. You know what I mean? These guys, these special effects artists, they give it their all. It's almost like studios and the special effects artists are a bit too lazy. Um, because, you know, ah, fuck it, we'll just CGI it. Yeah, you know, we'll, type we'll thing. fix it in post. We'll yeah, post. and that's lazy. But yeah. these, these guys were artists, these special effects artists. They were genuine and they were fucking hardworking and highly skilled. Uh, the uh, besides the effects, the film's fast paced. Um, you got you know some core actors there, um, but and it's got a fun. It's a fun story. Uh, it's got some cool little stunts, but the film does have its problems. Um, it's got really bad editing issues. Um, get to point it, the film. The way to explain the editing, they have to get to from point A to point C. We don't see point B. You don't that's really a, get invested in it dramatically. And, and that's the problem with the film. Um, there's no real j- drama between Kim and him. There's really yes. not that moment where they can talk for a bit. They try to have one. It doesn't really work. It, it plays, there's no emotional center. Yeah, it's an hour and 41 minutes, and they could have given us some five more minutes of something to give us, like, you feel sorry for these characters. You couldn't give it a li- Actually, I was rooting for Ravik. He was the best one. So was I. He had I, the I, most... I, usually, I usually, you know, go for the bad guys anyway. He, They're always he, the most interesting and best characters. Yeah, but he was, he was the one who kind of pulled the film together. He was the one that you kind of rooted for. Even um, Dr. Ruth, Patrick Gouin, brought something into it. You kind of liked the guy. You knew he wasn't there to hurt anybody. Um, he was just more the sort of... The older, more experienced actor there is a sort of almost like an Obi Wan Kenobi sort of character, you know, sort of. Whereas the, the main story is, is about um, you know Cameron and Ravik, you know, um, going head to head. Um, Ravik is actually quite a sympathetic villain as well, you know, um, especially you know the end where he explains his you know diabolical plan, you know. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's um, it, it it's it's missing a lot a lot of elements. Um, I'm not going to tear the film apart. Um, it's not Cronenberg's best. Yeah. Uh, you got Dead Zone and The Fly, which are far superior films. But damn, this is a nice outing. Um, uh, like I said, I'm not a big fan of most of his stuff, but he's got three films I really like. And Existency, four films, sorry. I like Cronenberg. Video Room as well, of course. Yeah, I'm not hate that film. I like I like Cronenberg as an actor. I liked him in Nightbreed. He's and brilliant. He always plays really cool, creepy characters. He was, yep. he was, the, he was in a movie, oh, great. I love this series called Slasher. Mm-hmm. And he he's one of the main leads in the in, a, in the movie in the slasher season. He's four. in the recent. I haven't seen it yet, but he's in the the new series of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, he likes to act. He's in, he, Jesus Christ. He even did. He's he, also he in, even did Jason in Space. I was going to say Jason X. I was Jason just Jason X. He even yeah. let them use his DP, the guy he <laughs> uses all the time, who did Dead Ringers and all that. Mm-hmm. So he's. He, I like mm-hmm. him. I like the fact that he's just willing to go out there and do other stuff, and I love the fact he loves horror. Yes. Uh, so, I, mean, so. I, I would describe Scanners as 
a flawed classic. I want to call it a classic. Uh, all right, all right then. Sorry, a flawed cult cult classic. Uh, no, I don't know what I would go with. I think it's good. I yeah, I'll give you a cult. I'll give you a cult classic on that one. Yeah, I think I, the reason I call it a cult classic, I the people I know don't like the, ne, like this film. But it, mm-hmm. I, there's no hate on it, and the stuff I didn't like. Um, you let it. You let it slide. I mean, you give me fucking heads, explosions, and veins popping and shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, yeah, and he, he put the right enough action in the film. Mm-hmm. There's enough action in it to keep you going. Uh, the hour and forty one minutes flies by. You don't. Mm-hmm. You know. And the score is good. I like the score. Mm-hmm. But there we go. Yeah. But it, it it's it's a gem of a film. It's a good little film. I own it. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, when it comes Same out here. 4K, it's gonna look nice. There yeah. you have it. There's, uh, we're done. Good. There we are. We're going to wrap this one up. This one went a lot longer than we thought. But what the hell, that's what it's all about. It's not about the timing. It's about the dialogue. If conversations are happening, we're going to keep it going. We're not here to edit, people. We're here to have a conversation. Yep. Hey, well, that came out pretty good. Guys, thanks for joining us as usual. Trevor, thank you. Always a pleasure. Uh, look for us on Instagram at Citizen Frame underscore podcast and of course Facebook. Give us your likes, dislikes, you know, send us a message what you like to hear. You're not doing it. I'm getting angry because otherwise <laughs> we're going to keep picking and it's going to eventually we're going to have to come to fucking David Lynch. So you guys better hurry up and pick something. Otherwise, Trevor's going to get something in the bag here. Blue velvet. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But that one's, we're done. You guys, have a good night or day or morning. Whatever.